Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. We welcome you, welcome this morning. Brand new series, all about your feelings. We're calling it In My Feelings. We're an emotional uh, mess these days, aren't we? Our feelings are all over the place. Very, very emotional. I heard, I just heard the other day that because of the coronavirus and everything, they're talking about not letting fans into NBA games. And I thought, okay, we have lost our minds. I think LeBron James said, I think he said, I'm, I will not play if they don't let fans in. We are so emotional. I was at a basketball game last night, uh, sectional championship here locally. If you're watching overseas or in another part of the country, basketball was a big deal last night for a couple of Greenwood schools, a lot of schools last night. Greenwood, uh, Greenwood High School won their sectional against Center Grove. Congratulations. <laughs> And also, uh, my son's team, uh, not that it's his team, but the team he plays for, uh, the Greenwood Christian Cougars won their sectional championship last night. Very, very exciting. I know sports. I know, I know. Some of you are like, come on, talk about something else. But uh, it was an emotional game last night. A lot of emotions. Uh, and the crowd, uh, the crowd gets very emotional. Um, at one point, there were a couple of bad calls made. And the, there was a, a, a guy on my right that was really, really upset at some of the calls that were being made. And he was making it very clear to the referees. He was very upset. And uh, a guy to my left over here was upset that he was upset. You know what I'm talking about? So, you know, he's, I can see him kind of looking over at this guy like, come on, you know, chill out or whatever. And so I'm like in the middle of it. And, and so at one point, um, this guy over here yells on my right. And then this guy over here literally yells the words, you know, shut up, sit down. And I was like, oh, no, he didn't just do that. Because you can feel it. You can feel the emotion. You know, everybody's, yeah, they're cheering, they're yelling. It's very emotional. And so uh, he said it once, and I kind of looked at him like, did you just say that to that dude? And, and so, uh, but I didn't think this dude hurt him. Uh, but then he did it again. He stood up and looked at him and said, sit down. And I'm like, and this guy over here goes, say it one more time. Tell me to sit down one more time. And I'm in the middle of this thing. Of course, I'm not saying anything, right? I, I haven't. I'm totally quiet, Pastor Danny. Just totally chill, right? And so at one point, I, it got so tense, I elbowed the girl next to me, just a little gal. I said, hey, if they go at it, you got to break this up. <laughs> she looked at me like, are you crazy? It's <laughs> like, well, I am not jumping in. We are emotional emotional people. I'm going to use those words in the series, emotions and feelings as synonyms. They're a little bit different. Emotions are a little bit deeper. Feelings are a little bit more surface level. But for the most part, I believe they're, they're about the same thing. What's true about most people, and this is in your notes, I want to jump right in. Most people allow their feelings, or allow, 
the wrong feelings to run their life. Think about it. Think, think about your life. I mean, <clears throat> my life, your life. We don't feel like sticking, you know, to the diet, so we eat the ice cream. It's a feelings-oriented decision, right? The chips versus the carrots. I mean, that's a feeling. That's a, that's a you know, the cookies over the celery. It's just a feeling. It's a desire. It's an appetite, right? We allow our feelings to run our, to run our lives. We know that we should say sorry, but we don't feel like apologizing. Ever been there? And so we don't. We know that we should forgive, and we know that the Bible says to forgive as, as God has forgiven us. But we don't feel like offering up forgiveness, so we don't. And the bitterness grows, and the resentment grows, and the coldness grows. We are, we are feelings-driven people. You know, we don't feel like going to the gym, so we don't go. We don't feel like going to sleep. We want to watch another episode of Netflix, of our, of our favorite show on Netflix, and we know that we should go to sleep because we're going to lose an hour tomorrow. Uh, you know, we're going to lose an hour of sleep, and we've got to get up early, or whatever it is, we've got to be early to work, and, and we know that we should turn it off, but we don't, and so we watch yet another episode and, and another episode, and then it's 1.30 in the morning, and we're watching Netflix. What's wrong with us? We're emotional people. We allow our feelings to run our lives. If you're a student here, a middle school student, high school student, a lot of times it's like, you know, your parents tell you to do something and you don't feel like obeying them. So you don't. One of my kids said to me this week, after two weeks of being up here with my wife talking about parenting, one of my kids said, you know what, I obey when I feel like it. Are you crazy? Like, did you hear anything mom and I said up here over the last two weeks? Feelings. We allow our feelings to, to determine our actions and what, and what we do, right? Whether we obey or whether we stick to a budget or whether we stick to a diet or whether we go to the gym, whether we go to sleep on time. And a lot of times, and, and, and I know that you can do this because I can do this, we, we can think of a scenario, whether it's in the past or whether it's in the current reality right now, that we're now in a spot that we wish we wouldn't be in because of we let our emotions determine our actions. Can you think of a situation that you've been in in the past or maybe you're in right now? Maybe it's the current relationship you're in right now. You felt lonely and, and, and you didn't want to be by yourself and everybody else has a boyfriend and everybody else has a girlfriend, everybody else has a husband, everybody else has a wife. And so you know this guy wasn't right for you, but you have all these feelings inside and so you said yes. And now you're stuck with him. And now you're married to him. Oh my gosh. And you feel trapped. Why? Because you made an emotional decision. You let your feelings, here's what happens to us. It's amazing. Have you ever noticed that when you are overly emotional, like your ability to reason and your ability to use logic goes out the window? Have you ever, have you ever thought about this? Like that's how powerful emotions can be. This happened in the Bible. There's a story about Jacob and Esau. They were twin brothers. They were the twin sons of a guy named Isaac, who was the son of a guy named Abraham, who was a big deal in the Bible. Abraham, Isaac, and the big patriarchs, right? And so Isaac has these two sons, Jacob and Esau, and they really, I mean, they're at each other. They're even at each other. The Bible says they're at each other in the womb. They're like wrestling inside their mom's belly. And, and, and as they're coming out, one's grabbing the other one. Anyway, anyway, I didn't want to get into that. But Jacob comes out 
and, and he is, and he's like a, a, a wilderness man. Like he's a hairy man. That's the Bible says he's got hair all over him, right? He's like one of those dudes that has a beard that grows into his chest hair. You ever seen those dudes? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. That's a tough ticket to, you know, I feel bad for those guys, but that's Esau. Esau is hairy everywhere. He's just got a mane, you know what I'm saying? And, and he's a wilderness guy and he loves to hunt. Now, Jacob, he's not so much. He's more of a domestic guy. He likes to be in the house with mom and all that stuff. Nothing wrong with that. He's just more of, a, more of a house guy. And so one day, Jacob is in the house. He's doing some cooking. Esau comes home. I'll just read you the story. Genesis 25. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Now, I, a couple years ago, I learned a new word. I wasn't aware of it, but I actually learned it by watching my wife. One day, I saw her face, and, and I had heard the word, and I thought, well, what's that mean? And then I saw her face, and it came to me. It was the word hangry. <laughs> Have you ever seen this word? Have you ever seen it on your wife's face or your friend's face? It's like, they're hungry, and they're angry, and they're hangry. This is where Esau is. He's exhausted. He's hungry. He's hangry. He this is an emotional state. Have you been there? You're frustrated. You're, you're like ready to bite somebody. Like, well, you know, if, it, if it's not food, you're ready to eat it. You know what I mean? And so he comes home. He's exhausted. He says to his brother Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew you've been cooking. Now, Jacob, he is a crafty guy. The Bible even talk, talks about him being the deceiver, Jacob the deceiver. He understands that his brother is in a complete emotional state. He can read it. He can see the signs. He can see the hangry going on. And he's like, all right, all right, bro. I'll give you some of my stew. But first, here's what I want you to do. Trade me your, the, your rights as the firstborn son. Now, if you don't know anything about what it means to be the firstborn son in the Old Testament, it's really simple. It's actually a really big deal. It meant that you got double the inheritance from your father. So, so Esau would have inherited double, a double portion from his dad Isaac than all the other brothers, right? It also meant that you were going to be the next patriarch of the family. So when Isaac died, Esau was going to be like the boss of all the family, right? And it also meant that he would enjoy a special relationship with God, that God was speaking directly to Isaac, God was speaking directly to Abraham, and that God would continue to speak to Esau. And so Jacob says, hey, you want some of my stew? Sell me your birthright. Listen to how Esau responds. Look, man, I'm dying of starvation. Now, is that a true statement? Do you think he was actually dying? No, this is drama king here. This is like total emotional state, total vulnerable. Like, I just want to eat, eat anything, eat something. And he says to himself, what good is my birthright to me right now? Isn't it funny how when we're emotional, all we can think about is the present moment? I just want to eat. I just want to be hungry. I just want to have sex. I just want to do this. I just want to get married. I just want to start this deal. I just want to invest. I just want to, and we want to do it right now. And our ability to think long-term goes out the window. Our ability to use logic and reasoning is just gone. He forgot about the fact that when his dad, was, when his dad Isaac, was going to die, he was going to be the patriarch. He was going to get a double inheritance. He was going to enjoy a special relationship with God. And he gave it all away for what? A bowl of stew. You know what this series is all about? This series is about me first. Me first. I'm going to jump in. Go first. How can I go through my life without selling my birthright? 
how can I go through this life without giving in to these, these emo- emotions and feelings that I have that make me think about only the present that, help me to, that, that cause me to lose my ability to reason and logic, and then I make a horrible decision, and then I end up somewhere that I never wanted to be. How can I do that, and how can you do that? This series is really about helping you and I to learn how to stop <laughs> when we get emotional. So, dude, I'm not selling you my birthright. Look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to punch you in the face, boom, and I'm going to take the stew, right? Because I'm your older brother. I'm not saying that he should have done that, but at least he wouldn't have sold his birthright. It's about stopping and realizing, wait a second, I'm vulnerable right now. I'm about to make a really dumb purchase. I'm about to make a really dumb decision to get in bed with you. I'm about to make a really dumb decision to click on this website. I'm about to make a really dumb decision. Because I am super emotional right now, and I'm going to stop. What if we could learn how to do that? How much pain can you save, or could you possibly save in the future, if you would learn to stop before you made a poor choice that was driven by a toxic emotion? A lot or a little? You planning on living a long time? I am. I hope to live a long time. Decades. I want to save myself some pain. So here's what we're going to do over the next four weeks. We're going to look at four strategies to help you to stop when you get sad, angry, anxious, worried, lustful, horny. Yes, that's right. I said that. Because <laughs> that gets us in a lot of trouble. That makes babies that we never said even we didn't want. Right? How can we stop before we make a poor choice? That's what we're going to do. Is that worth your time? You going to take some notes? Are you sitting on the edge of your seat like, yes, give me some information. Good, because that's what I dream about. Let's get into this. What's our problem? Like, what's our real issue? You know what our real issue is? Sin has distorted us. Like, our feelings, our emotions, our appetites, our desires, they're distorted by sin. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, in Romans chapter 5. He said, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Now, every time I read that verse, it kind of tickles me because who really sinned first in the garden? Come on. It was Eve. Paul skips right over Eve. It's like, nope, when Adam sinned. Oh, well, thanks, Paul. Why is it, why is it the dude's fault? Here, here's what I got to tell you guys. Pay attention real quick. Pay attention. It's always your fault. Okay, just write that down. Just write it down. It's, that's just in the Bible right here, okay? It's always the dude's fault. So just, you can thank me later. No, honestly, you want to know why it's Adam's fault? Because when Eve was talking with Satan, getting tempted by Satan, she's looking at the fruit and Satan's talking to her. And he's like, well, doesn't this look, look good? Eat this, should be like God. And Eve's like, oh, you're right. It looks good. I want some. And, and then she eats it. What was Adam doing? Do you think he was like out looking for some berries or something? What was Adam doing? The dude was standing right there watching it happen. And he did nothing to protect his wife from the enemies of Satan, from the lies of the devil. He just stood there. In fact, he bought into it. So anyway, a little theological lesson there. That's why it's Adam's fault. Not my point at all. Let's get back to the point. (laughs) When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Watch what happened when sin entered the world. Sin brought death. This is why we physically die. It was never God's intention for us to physically die. But then sin came into the world. We die physically. We die spiritually. And so death spread to everyone, like the coronavirus. Everybody, or at least that's what people are saying. (laughs) 
Anyway, I, I have some thoughts on that. I'm not going to say them, okay? <laughs> but death's, death did spread to everyone. But why? Because everybody sinned. Now, this isn't necessarily, oh, I'm a sinner. I did wrong. I, did, you know, I, I, I cheat sometimes. I steal, whatever. Okay, that's fine. I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm talking about what sin did to our insides. It messed us up at the fundamental level in our soul. We are disordered, disjointed deformed on the, on the insides of who we are, at the soul level. You ever go into like a, a fun house, maybe at a state fair or something like that, and you look at the mirrors and, they, and the goofy mirrors and they distort your body? You, you, we have apps now that do this on your phone that, you know, you can, it kind of looks like this and this is a, you know, you look in it and it kind of messes you up. And, and uh, you know, then they have ones that can make you look old too. Those are, <laughs> my daughter had that. Yeah, anyway, we, yeah, look bad. But, this is not a reflection of reality. It's a game. It's a, it's a tool. It's, a, it's fun. But, but you know what real? You know what is real? We are, we are deformed on the inside where we can't see at the level of our feelings. We want what we shouldn't want. We desire what we shouldn't desire. We do what we shouldn't do. The good things that we should do, we don't do. Have you noticed this about yourself? Sin has distorted our soul, deformed our soul. Jesus said it like this in Mark chapter 7. For from within, out of a person's, what? Say it with me. Their heart. Where's, what is the heart? The heart is the inner immaterial part of a person, the spirit, the thoughts, the, the intentions, the, the, the desires, the, the feelings, and the, and the emotions. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, and he continues, pride and foolishness. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's pretty long. Do you agree? He about covers all of it. All of the problems of humanity come from within people's hearts. We are, we are born into this world deformed by sin. From within, these things come and they are the things that defile us. And so when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, if you know that, that part of the Bible, he says to Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, if you want to experience the kingdom, you're going to have to be born again. Look, look, John chapter 3. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus hears this and he's like, wait a second, uh, excuse me, sir. How would I go back into my mother's womb? Like, that's like I'm a grown man. Like, what are you talking about? And, and Nicodemus is thinking physical rebirth. And, and Jesus is talking about a rebirth in the inner man, in the inner person at the soul level. A spiritual rebirth. In other words, what he's saying to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 is, you didn't come out right the first time. If you don't get nothing else today, can you, can, you, can you please get this? You didn't come out right the first time. Sin has distorted our soul, and we need help. And that's why Christ came. Christ didn't come just to take us to heaven when we die. I'm so glad that that's part of the gospel. But Jesus came to heal the soul. The feelings, the emotions, the desires, to, to get the things that, we're, that we shouldn't want out and to start to begin to want new things and to feel good feelings and good emotions. This is why he came, to heal the soul. 
wants to make us brand new people. In fact, when the Apostle Paul was writing his letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is how he explained it. Therefore, if anyone is born again, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Did you get it? Say, I got it if you got it. I got it. I need to be reborn. You need to be reborn on the inside. Put back together. We need to have our souls healed. We need brand new emotions and brand new feelings. But if you've been born again, if if you are a new creation, you know that that's just the start. That's just the beginning phase. Just because someone looks to Christ and trusts Christ as their Savior doesn't mean they automatically have a transformation of all their feelings and desires and appetites. It doesn't mean all the wrong feelings and wrong emotions and all all those wrong appetites suddenly go away like jealousy or envy or anger or hatred or whatever those things are, shame and guilt. It doesn't mean they go away automatically. It takes time for those things to go away because it takes time for the soul to heal. In Galatians chapter 5, this is what the Apostle Paul said. The sinful nature wants to do evil. He's talking to Christians. Like even Christ followers still have a sinful nature. What is the sinful nature? It's that part that's left over of you, the habits and desires that were formed in a world away from God, maybe a decade away from God, learning to survive in in a world filled with power and anger and control and slander and materialism. And we learn how to cope in a world like that by developing all the wrong desires and emotions and feelings and appetites. And then suddenly we're born again. But it all doesn't change overnight. The sinful nature remains and it has desires. It wants to do evil. Can I tell you, even as your pastor today, there's times in the day, in the week, where I want to do evil. Because I'm a man. And if it's true of me, it's true of you. I have desires and appetites and and feelings and emotions that are not right, and if I should act on them, I will screw my life up. Do you understand what I'm saying? The sinful nature wants to do what's wrong, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to teach you to to want righteousness and want holiness and purity and truth. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, oh, if you could get this. These two forces are constantly at odds, constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out the good intentions that you have. This is a battle, folks. At the soul level. Feelings and emotions. In your notes, I wrote it like this. If you don't control your feelings, your feelings are going to control you. And you're going to end up somewhere you never planned on being. So this series is about learning to stop. It's just learning to stop. Before you take that step, before you get into that relationship, before you write that email, before you click on that website, before you, before you, before you, just stop. What am I doing? I'm making a completely irrational, emotional decision right now. I have to learn to control my feelings or my feelings are going to control me. So four strategies. Strategy number one, 
that I'm going to give for you today to how to stop, how to control your emotions, is to be skeptical of your feelings. I don't know why this is intuitive to me. <laughs> I just understand it. I get it. I, I, no one had to teach it to me. It's just like, I'm just going to be skeptical of me. The way I feel right now, I'm going I'm to question it. Why? Because of the last 20 minutes of, of everything I've been saying to you. Because we've been born into this world, distorted by sin. We, we want what we shouldn't want. We do what we shouldn't do. I can't trust my feelings. Like, my feeling, like our world today tells us that, hey, how do you feel? Trust your feelings. Trust your gut. Now, that could be, that, that's sort of the worst advice you can give anybody. Why? Because our feelings are distorted by sin. Trust your feelings. Trust your gut. What? The Bible says the exact opposite. Look at Proverbs chapter 28. The one who trusts in his heart, inner being, mind, will, emotions, feelings, the one who has confidence in his own or her own self is a fool. But the one who walks in wisdom will escape. Escape what? Pain of emotional decisions. You will learn to stop before you take the next step and pay the price. So the Bible says, don't trust your feelings. Question them. Be skeptical of your feelings. Be skeptical of your emotions. So what I'm about to share with you today is not a sermon, okay? The rest of what? This is what I actually do in my life to control my feelings and emotions that are toxic and may lead me astray. This is how I, I question my feelings. I ask myself three questions. Number one, what's the source of this feeling? Where's it coming from? What's the root of it? All, all feelings have a root. They're all triggered by something. What is the trigger? What is the source? What, why am I angry right now? Why am I fearful right now? What is the source of this insecurity right now? Why do I feel envious or jealous right now? Like, what is the root of this? And here is the power of asking this question. Once you ask the question, what is the source of this emotion? What is the source of this feeling? Now you can enter into more of a discovery phase. Now you're kind of observing your life instead of living your life, instead of being in the moment like... Like Esau, who was in the moment, all he could think about was his stomach, all he could think about was his hunger, all he could think about was starving to death. You can step outside of the emotion and look at it and say, now what's the source of that? Oh, see, I know why I'm angry right now. I didn't get what I wanted. That's the answer I get most of the time when I question my anger. Now, is that a good reason to be angry, biblically? Yes or no? You answer me. How long have you been coming to church? Is that a good reason to be angry? I didn't get what I wanted. You tell me. Yes or no? That's a terrible reason to be angry. The only proper reason to be angry is, to, you know, that God didn't get what God wanted. And I'm upset because God's will wasn't done. That's called righteous anger. And not even, I'm not even sure I can handle that. I'm not even sure I'm spiritual enough to handle that kind of anger. And neither are you. So we question the anger and we're like, well, I shouldn't be angry right now. But I really want to be. Right? question the emotion. Then you find the reason. What's the, what's the source of this insecurity right now? Where's this coming from? Oh, this is coming from the fact that I've, last time I tried to do this, I failed, or somebody made fun of me, or, um, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel that way, you know. I'm not, I'm not, not going to act on this. How many of you have honestly had this experience before? Because this happens to me all the time. Where you have a feeling, and you know you shouldn't feel that way, and so you question it, and then you actually say this sentence in your head. Yeah, I know I feel that way right now, but I shouldn't be. Have you ever had that experience? 
That's all I'm asking you to do on a daily basis. Because when you do that, you, you suddenly realize, yeah, I shouldn't be feeling that way because the root source of this is my selfishness or I didn't get my way or you know, I'm just being fearful or whatever. And it causes you to stop and then you don't act on that anger or you don't act on that fear or you don't act on that lust or whatever the emotion is in your life. Question it. What is the root of this? Number two, number two, second question, is this from the Spirit? Listen, as Christ followers, we're to be led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. We're to be walking in the Spirit. And the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, and peace. Among other things, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But the first three are emotions, love, joy, and peace. So is this emotional, is this feeling right now in my heart anything close to what the Spirit is, wants to produce in my life? No, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm bitter, I'm jealous, I'm envious. Okay, that is not from the Spirit. And so you have, again, you have a big stop sign that comes out and says, wait a second, God is not leading you right now. Your own sinful nature is leading you right now. Stop before you say something or do something that's going to produce pain in your life. Is this making sense? Is it from the Spirit? What is the root source of this emotion? And then number three, number three, and this is so important, does this feeling align with truth? Does this feeling align with God's word? We live in a world, in a culture today, that basically says, if that's the way you feel, it must be true for you. But that's not true. Just play it out. I feel like killing somebody. Is that going to work in, this, in, our, in our community? Yes or no? Well, no, you, I'm gonna, now you go to jail. Well, wait a second, judge. I felt like, I felt like killing him. But, but seriously, what we're trying to do in our culture today is make feelings the barometer for truth. Well, if you feel that way, it must be good. If, if, if you have that emotion, it must be the path you should take. It must be true for you. It's okay. It's not okay. We have to question our feelings and say, okay, I feel this way right now, but what does God's word say about this? Even if the feeling is a good feeling. Like, man, I feel so good about this. I feel, it feels right. Even in my body, it feels right in my body, this appetite, this desire. It must be from God. It, I wouldn't feel this way if God didn't make me this way. And so, and so we use our feelings as a barometer for truth, and then we make our choices and we get ourselves in a whole bunch of trouble. I had a guy come to me a couple of years ago, and he said, Danny, I, I've fallen out of love with my wife, and I've fallen for this other woman, and, you know, I love her. And we have chemistry, and we connect in a way I've never connected with my wife. Listen, I feel like God wants me to divorce my wife and marry this woman. I said, sir, you know, I hate to burst your bubble, <laughs> but it ain't so. <laughs> because God is not leading even though you feel this and you're connected with this woman and, 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 and it feels right in your body and you have attraction and you feel great when you're with her, it is not from God because God would never lead you to divorce your wife to be with another woman because we know he hates divorce. And adultery is a sin. So we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, I feel this way right now in my body and it's right and I have this attraction, I have this appetite, but what does God's word say about it? And if, God word, if God's word and God's truth contradicts that, we know we have to say, we have to stop. We have to stop before we take action on that desire, that appetite, that feeling, that emotion. Yes or no? You make sense? 
This is tough stuff in our culture today. Very, very tough. It's not popular. In fact, I will get criticized for this talk, and that's okay. It's going to happen. But it's, this is real, real life stuff. And, and why am I preaching it? Because God wants to save you from the pain of making emotional decisions, feelings based, decisions based on your feelings. So my question today is simple. What feeling have you allowed to control your life? What feeling? Is it anger? That's a popular one. You know another popular one? Anxiety. Worry. Just, just controlling everything. You're worried about everything in your life. Anxious about everything. Fear. Shame. Guilt. What emotion? What feeling? Are you, allow, are you allowing to question it? What is the root of it? Is it a fruit of the Spirit? And does it align with God's truth? And this takes time to do, and we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about creating space to do this, this, this work. But here's what I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Control your feelings or your feelings will control you. In fact, can we all say that together? Can we all of our campuses together? We can hear you, Banta. We can hear you, Franklin. We can hear you, Garfield. Can we say this together, all of us together? Control your feelings or your feelings will control you. Can we do it one more time, all of our campuses' locations together? Control your feelings or your feelings will control you. If you don't get anything else, just remember this image. (laughs) Just let it burn into your brain. We even made a screensaver for you because we want you to remember this. You can go to our, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and you can download this, app, this, uh, this screensaver. We really want you to get this. Control your feelings or your feelings will control you. Save yourself the pain. I got a letter two years ago from a lady. She didn't sign it, but it was a handwritten letter a couple of pages long. She was a single lady, middle-aged lady, wanting to be with a godly man, so she was only dating men in Emmanuel Church. She was disappointed. I'm not being funny. I'm not being funny. I'm being serious. Two pages. Every date that she's been on, the guy has wanted to be sexual. The guy has wanted to be sexual. The guy has wanted to be sexual. How come all of the men in your church want to have sex when we're just dating? And, I, and honestly, my heart was broken. Because here's a young girl just trying to find a godly man. But because lust has become such a controlling desire in our lives, men, I'm not beating you up. It's just a, well, I am a little bit. We've just given in to like, oh, like, wait until marriage to have sex? Are you kidding me? Like, I know the Bible says that, but how old is this book really? And by the way, I've already been married and had lots of sex in my entire life, so I'm 40 now, so why would I have to like be a virgin now? Let's date and have sex and see if this thing works. And that's what she wrote to me in the letter, and my heart was broken. Man, you cannot let lust dominate your life. That's not God's plan for your life. 
It's purity until marriage. You got to quit the porn. You got to put it away. You got to get rid of it. If you don't control lust in your life, it will control you. And the same goes with anger, and the same goes with fear, and the same goes with worry. Is this making sense? Now, getting back to what Jesus said to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, verse 3. I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless you're born again of the Spirit, you will not see the kingdom of God. Some of you haven't made this step yet. Some of you have not been reborn at the soul level, spiritual rebirth. Maybe today you take that step and you invite Christ into your life to begin the healing process of putting the pieces back together, the pieces that sin has torn apart so that you could, your emotions can heal and your feelings can heal and your heart and your mind can heal. Christ wants to enter into you and put all the pieces back together and get them aligned underneath the proper order of his kingdom. And that involves him washing you of your sins and cleansing you and removing the stain and guilt of sin. He died for you on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin. And if you want to take that step today, I'm going to just say a simple prayer. It's a, it's a prayer that a child can take and pray. In fact, one time Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom. It's childlike faith to look to Christ and ask him to wash you of your sins and cleanse you and enter your life. Take these words, make them your own. Put your trust in Christ today. Dear Jesus, I reach out to you with what little faith I have and I trust you. Enter my life. Fill me with your spirit. I believe you died in my place. Paid the penalty for my sin. I ask you to cleanse me. Wash me and heal me. Enter in. Put the pieces back together. Replace toxic emotions and feelings with godly, pure, holy emotions and feelings. Lead my life take control. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to celebrate with you. Amen. We would ask you to grab your phone really quick and text the word SAVE to 65248 if you prayed that prayer. Here's why. We would love to put a gift in your hands. It's a, it's a box with a Bible inside, a reading plan, and your next steps on your journey uh, with Christ, how to get in a small group, how to join the serving team, maybe how to get baptized. And there's also a cup in here as a gift from us to you, a little coffee mug, and so you'll enjoy that. So grab those at your campus in the back of the auditorium. Text the word SAVE to 65248. Can we give God a hand? One more time, amen.